Hey, it's Quinn Miners, and you're listening to The Blitz. Welcome back to another episode of The Blitz. This is episode number 10. I'm your host, Anthony DeBona. You can follow me on Twitter at Bayadebona. You can also follow the show on Twitter at The Blitz Podcast. Please follow, rate, and review on whatever listening platform you're using. We really do appreciate it. As always, I'm joined by my brother, John. You can follow him on Twitter at Jorge Blanco. That's H-O-R-H-A-Y-B-L-A-N-C-O. How's it going, John? It's going okay. A um, lot of news this week, a lot to talk about, and a lot of uncertainty. And with that in mind, I think everybody should know that I don't know where this road is going to lead. All I know is where we've been and what we've been through. And I'm going to cut it off there. Um, (laughs) Because we have a lot of people who may be saying goodbye to yesterday. And I think we should start with the biggest name this week, who may in fact find it hard to say goodbye to yesterday. So this is great, because I was just talking about watching uh, American Idol with my wife, Gina. So I feel like this is just a perfect transition. So we are obviously talking about Russell Wilson. The news broke early this morning from uh, The Athletic. I don't even know if you saw this, because it kind of got lost in the whole uh, Adam Schefter stuff that followed up after that. But uh, early this morning, a report came out of The Athletic that during the season, Russell Wilson actually stormed out of the office because he wanted uh, more input on the game plan and things like that. And apparently Pete Carroll and the staff weren't really having it. So I think that kind of led into how he was kind of going public the last time he did uh, like a little media tour, I think a week or two ago. And we talked about that too. But now today, Adam Schefter dropped the bomb that uh, a couple of reporters actually did. I think Dan Graziano also. But it was just like, oh, they said, apparently Russell Wilson hasn't officially demanded a trade. But he just so happened to tell the Seahawks, because he does have a no-trade clause, that, oh, I don't want to trade, but if you happen to trade me, I only want to go to the Cowboys, Saints, Bears, or Raiders, which is kind of an obscure group of teams, considering that only one of those teams can actually afford his contract right now, which, ironically enough, is the Cowboys. Three out of, I would say, three out of four actually makes sense. The other one is like, what? Yeah, I think the Raiders are the – I would assume that you're thinking yeah. the same thing as me, that they're the team that doesn't really fit. Yeah, they feel like the outlier. But despite, um, despite being much better than the Cowboys this year. but Yeah, I just feel like I don't, I've never heard of a player give a team a list of teams that he's interested in going to and then him not being traded. Like this almost seems like the tip of the iceberg mm-hmm. and it's just going to be a whole lot more going on as these weeks continue. It's very much the like O.J. Simpson, if I did it, it's like, if I get traded, here's where I want to get traded to. Um, I th- This doesn't feel like Deshaun, though. And maybe it's just because of like him being older and more tenured with the team and having his ring. So even if he does get out, it doesn't feel as much of like a guy pouting. It's more of a guy who like really did have to endure a bad team around him for a long time. Um, I think Dallas is the most intriguing for him, at least, because... He his big knock was that Seattle didn't have a line. And I know Dallas's line this year didn't look like what they've been. But if that Dallas line is at 100% and playing like they have most of the years before last year, 
that's going to be the best line by far he's ever had. And the weapons are probably better right now in Dallas than on any of the other teams that could potentially be looking at him. Yeah, I, I agree. I, but at the same time, it's like the Cowboys have Dak Prescott already, who's significantly younger. I think he's, what, four years younger, maybe five years younger than Russell Wilson. And he was playing ridiculously well to start last season. But they were still losing. So it's like, I don't know if that's just a team that's like a quarterback away. Like their defense is terrible. Like they're, they're very young, but they need a lot of help on defense. And their offense, their offensive line is actually getting older. They struggled last season when a lot of guys were out for injury. So, yeah, they have a ton of weapons. Obviously, they have Zeke, uh, C.D. Lamb, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, whoever, uh, Blake, whoever their, their tight end is. I forget his name. Blake Irwin, Blake Jarwin, something like that. Jarwin, yeah, I think. Jarwin. So, I was talking to uh, my good pal, Eric Francis, who's a diehard Cowboys fan. And he was like, he doesn't really think there was like a proposed uh, fake trade that was out there that was like, I think, a first, third, and a fifth this year, and then a first next year. And he said, like, he hopes they don't do it. He just wants them to bring Dak back because – the team is not really in a position to where they can just a quarterback away and they can afford to just get rid of all those picks. Like I think a lot of their players are actually free agents this off season, or at least next off season. So obviously they have the deck situation to sort out. So I think they're probably in terms of fit, they might be the worst of the four teams in terms of the complete team overall. The only, where, the only thing I'll say to that is with Dallas, it's at least from going from Dallas's perspective, not from Wilson's, but from Dallas's perspective, they have to extend Dak. I know they could franchise him this year again, but they have to extend Dak, and they have to extend Dak coming off of a pretty serious injury. And I know it's not like, if I remember right, it was his leg, right? It wasn't like a shoulder injury or anything like that. I believe it was his ankle. Yeah, but he's also, I mean, not that he's like a, a pure running quarterback, but I feel like he is a pretty mobile quarterback. And I don't know, do you want to extend that guy coming off an injury and whatever you're going to have to pay him is almost guaranteed to be more than what Russell Wilson's making is the other thing too. And Wilson is not cheap. I think he's like $37 million against the cap, if I remember right. But Dak's probably going to be upwards of you know 40 or 50 by the time everything's said and done if you extend him. And from that perspective, I can kind of see Dallas wanting to do it. I know it would suck because like, you can't. You're not really a team that feels like they're in a place to give up first round picks when you need that on defense. But maybe if they get Wilson, they'll get more ring chasers, and maybe a guy like well, maybe not JJ Watt, because we're going to talk about him and his alleged deals in a little bit. But maybe you'll get some of those like veteran ring chasing, like sort of last legs defenders, and maybe you can piece together a good enough defense to make something happen. I think Richard Sherman's going to be a free agent, right? If yeah. I remember right. Um, so maybe you'll be able to piece together, like I said, some veteran guys looking for one last run. I don't know. Yeah, of course. I feel like if he does get traded, like obviously you'll see people uh, gravitating towards that situation wherever it is. But at the same time, the flip side of this is we just saw the Eagles trade Carson Wentz and take that huge cap hit. I think I read today that if the Seahawks trade him, depending on if it's like, pre-June 1st or post-June 1st, however they structure the trade, they could potentially be taking a, a dead cap hit of, I think it was $39 million. Yeah. And then... For, I would say, for Seattle, unless you're getting the types of packages that were talked about for Deshaun, it doesn't make sense. Like, if you're turning around and you're getting number two from the Jets and future... For, but, like, a team like the Jets, I feel like Wilson is already 
too old for. And if he's saying he wouldn't extend or he wouldn't play there, then they're not going to be in on it anyway. So I don't really understand from Seattle's perspective what sense it makes. Yeah, I think the Jets should be focused on Zach Wilson, not Russell Wilson. <laughs> but yeah, they um, apparently it looks like they would take a huge cap hit either way. But then the team that does trade for him, they get Russell Wilson on like ridiculously low numbers in comparison to other top quarterbacks. Because I think it was something like the, this next year is going to be like 19 million. And then I believe it was like 27 million and then 24 million, something around that. So it's like you're really getting him for next to nothing in comparison to what other quarterbacks are making of his caliber. So, I mean, it's going to be, it's going to come down to does he actually demand a trade or is he just playing hardball to try and get more say with Seattle? So apparently they, the offensive coordinator they, they um, signed was like, was that was Russell Wilson's pick. I think it was a guy that came over from the Rams. So I guess they're having, he's getting some input, but it's just weird that a list comes out of teams that he would want to be traded to. And I feel like that just doesn't happen for nothing. Like there's, there was a reason for that. I think the most puzzling part in all this is that like, if he really did storm out of the room over wanting more input in the game plan, that's ridiculous. Not from his perspective, but like from the Seahawks, because it's one thing if a player says, I want more input on personnel. I want more input on coaches. Like I want more input on like people you're going to turn around and have to pay. But if it's like, Hey, I'm an MVP caliber player. Let me say what plays we should run. That to me just seems like a no brainer. Like, he knows yep. who he's comfortable throwing to. He knows what runs are probably going to work. Like, he's not going to call anything that's going to hurt the team. He doesn't seem like a guy who's going to, like, oh, well, I'm just going to throw it 50 times a game to get my numbers up. Like, he seems like a smart team-first guy still. I think he's, like, making that rant out of wanting to win. It doesn't it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, so this is the exact quote from the story. They um, quoted it on Pro Football Talk as well. So it says, here's what happened next via the story in theathletic.com. This is a quote. Before the Thursday night game against Arizona, Wilson met, met with his coaches. For some time, Wilson has sought, even pushed, for influence within the organization regarding scheme and personnel. In the meeting, he outlined his own, his own ideas for how to fix the offense. His suggestions were dismissed, multiple sources told The Athletic. Another reminder to Wilson that the Seahawks did not see him the same way he saw himself as a player who had earned greater control over his situation, his future, his legacy, his legacy, he stormed out of the room. That's so not like the only thing that I can understand is like if he went to them and his all of his ideas are like, "Hey, make the Deshaun Watkins, uh, Deshaun Watkins, make the uh, what's his name? Why am I blanking right now? Uh, the Hail Murray. Who caught the Hail Murray again?" DeAndre Hopkins? DeAndre Hopkins. There you go. Deshaun Watson, DeAndre Hopkins. Jesus Christ, my name, my like names are all jumbled. Um, but that's the only thing I could see is if he was like, oh, no, you got to go get me um, DeAndre Hopkins. You got to go get me Devontae Adams. You got to go get me like whoever is considered an elite number one right now. And then being like, well, listen, we can't afford it. We just can't do that. We don't have any draft picks. Like, but if it's anything as far as like we need to run these plays instead of these plays or – maybe get creative with getting him out of the pocket or get creative with some of the offensive line, maybe combinations. Like if it's anything like that, how do you dismiss a guy like who's the guy who's taken the beating for all that? It doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, I don't understand. And the article, apparently there's another unnamed source who people speculate is somebody within the, the, within the Seahawks that said something to the effect of like, Oh, he's just playing a PR game because now he's finally being held accountable. And, because he's getting paid all this money. So it just seems like 
there's a back and forth and there's certainly frustration building within the two. Yeah. So it's just, it, it would be, I was going to say, it's like, it's crazy to me too, because like, I know we spent a long time talking about the Deshaun Watson and that's why I can't remember receivers names um, situation. But like, I, like my big criticism of Deshaun is like, you just signed that extension. You knew what the organization was. I feel like, I don't remember exactly when Wilson signed his extension, but I feel like when he signed his extension, they were a team that still looked very much like contenders. And that has very much changed. And he's a guy who's now on the wrong side of 30. Like, I think he's sort of earned the, the say a little bit more than Deshaun has and earned the sort yeah, of pouting, like, a bit more. I know it's not the same in terms of, like, the same exact situation, but it kind of reminds me of what happened between Carson Wentz and the Eagles because that whole story seemed to think, like, Wentz thought of himself like he was, like, this untouchable god that deserved all this say and, and whatever was going on. And he was, like, upset when they tried to fire Press Taylor or whatever. So, like, it seems like rightfully so Russell Wilson wants to have an input and Carson Wentz wanted it also, but they were like, yo, you didn't earn this. Like you played like trash. That's why you were benched. But meanwhile, Russell Wilson's like, yo, I just want to tell you who I like to, what plays I like to run. I feel like that's what any quarterback should have. Like that should not be a problem. And for them to just shoot him down, is just like unbelievable. I don't understand like how that could happen. And it would look terrible because not only would they take a huge cap hit, but they literally just made a win now move when they traded those two first round picks for Jamal Adams. So now you do that, make that trade. And now all of a sudden you're going to be without a quarterback because even if you do get a first round, like multiple first round picks, if it's any of these teams he's talking about, I don't think any of those teams, maybe the Raiders are picking in like the first half of the first round. So like, are you really going to be able to get a quarterback? Where are you going to go? Go get Mitchell Trubisky in free agency? Like, that's a huge hit to your organization. Well, I don't know. Have you ever heard of this guy, Matt Flynn, who I believe is available? <laughs> yeah, he, he helped them find a their quarterback somewhere. once before. Yeah. Um. But I was going to say, if anything, they could use a first-round pick to trade for Orlando Brown or Isaiah Sam. Oh, wait, no. Nope, can't do that. That's right. They don't have the first-rounders. <clears throat> but I do wonder going on moving topics a little bit, if an Isaiah Simmons could potentially Wilson, be a target. Isaiah Wilson. Uh, Isaiah Wilson, sorry. Yeah, Isaiah Simmons. They could trade for the linebacker from Arizona who I love last year. <laughs> I if you if you play for the Cardinals, I'm gonna butcher your name tonight. So <laughs> they whoever their quarterback is, you better uh, watch out. Levante Murray, what's his what's his name? <laughs> So, yeah, that, that's another thing that we could talk about now is there are two young stud offensive tackles that are suddenly well, available. Because... One, one stud offensive tackle, one person who yeah. is supposed to be. Yeah. Um, so Isaiah Wilson was <clears throat> literally drafted in the back end of the first round last year. Went on to – he had a weird rookie season. I think he was hurt. Then there was, like, off-field stuff that was going on. He ended up playing just one game. Or he might not even play. He at least suited up for one game. So and now he tweeted the other day that like his time was done in Tennessee and then he deleted the tweet. But now apparently today it was reported by multiple people that they are trying to trade him and they aren't expected to get much, maybe a, a late round pick. Here's my so question with that. I'm going to bring it up. Um, go ahead. And it's going to be <clears throat> sorry, we don't have cough buttons on here. So uh, we'll be coughing on the show. But now he played tackle at Georgia, if I'm remembering right, right? Yep. And he bookended another tackle or at Georgia who also went in the first round last year, right? 
Yep. That team that took that left tackle could potentially use a right tackle still. Granted, that team has Solder's big cap hit and spent a mid-round pick on Matt Pert. But uh, if they're only asking for a late-round pick, I would like the Giants to take a flyer on on him and see what happens. I don't. I know it's probably unrealistic, but like I've seen people, which is insane to me, mocking offensive tackles to the Giants with number 11, which is crazy to me. So even though you're going to be paying him like a first-round pick, if you can get that for you know a late-rounder at this point, I would try that in a heartbeat and hope maybe Andrew Thomas and him can both get each other right a little bit. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with him. But let me just go over quickly what happened during his rookie season. So, uh, yeah, he was drafted 29th overall, end of the first round. And then he was expected to compete with Dennis Kelly for the former Eagle, Dennis Kelly, starting a right tackle position. But then I think he ended up on the COVID list during training camp. Then he was taken off and then placed back on it in September. That lasted until the end, almost the beginning of October. Then he was activated again. Then in December, he was suspended for violation of team rules. Then he was reinstated, reinstated and then put back on the reserve non-football illness list. <laughs> And then, like he, and then he, so it says he finished the season playing in one game in week 12. That was it. But he didn't even start. Dennis Kelly started while 16 games. And then this is another thing on top of that. On September 11th, 2020, which I'm going to assume this is a violation of team rules, he was arrested for DUI. So the guy just has not had a good start. And it's also worth noting because you mentioned the Giants. He is from Brooklyn, New York. He was born in New York. He went to Poly Prep in Brooklyn, New York. So if this guy is as crazy off the field and has all these issues, I don't know if it's the right thing for him to be back home, but maybe it is because I say, I wonder, being in the middle of Tennessee didn't do it. Yeah, favors, I, say, I wonder so. if to some degree it is because, I mean, it depends on what the issues are with guys, but like he sounds like he is a little bit of a head case, and I wonder if some of that, and I'm definitely going to be sound too forgiving, especially because I am not somebody who tolerates DUIs uh, or takes them lightly at all. But I wonder if some of it could be sort of like either loneliness or like anxiety or any of those sort of like mental health issues. And maybe being home closer to family, closer because, I mean, the kid went to Georgia. He went to Poly Prep. Like he couldn't have been a major, major problem pre like pre-college, let's say. So I wonder, you know what I mean? Sometimes you hear about the opposite stories where it's like, oh, this guy was really in a lot of trouble coming home. At home, he was friends with, you know, this gang member and this guy who went to jail and whatever and got caught up in stuff because of that. And so they need to get away. I wonder if he could almost be the opposite where I wonder if his best influences are in New York and if he could like succeed being, you know, playing closer to home. Yeah, he's a guy that definitely needs to change the scenery at this point. At first, it seemed like the Titans were just going to try and stick it out. But now after his tweet and whatever else is going on, it seems like he's got one foot out the door. It's just a matter of what they can get for him. But on the other hand, you have Orlando Brown Jr., who supposedly wants to be traded. And the guy has been nothing short of amazing since he came into the league as a third-round pick. He was drafted by the Ravens, who was his father's uh, former team. And everybody saw him cry on draft day. He was so happy about it. But they happen to have a guy there uh, named Ronnie Stanley, who's one of the best, if not the best, left tackles in football. So he's been stuck on the right side his whole career. He was named to the Pro Bowl the last two seasons. 
But apparently he wants out, not because he wants to get paid more or whatever. He literally just wants to play left tackle. Well, I think that's a combination. Of, so. I think that's a, uh, you know, it's like one hit, one thing leads to the other. Where if he gets to play left tackle, he can command more money. So it might be like for now, oh, I just like playing the left side better. But for his future, it's definitely I can make a lot more money as a left tackle than a right tackle. Of course, but there have been guys like Lane Johnson, for example, that they were like the leading uh, leading offensive tackles in pay, and he plays right tackle. So I think the game's become more of like there's no more like, oh, the left side is where the, the, the better pass rushes are. Well, like, say, also, guys also every good quarterback now can scan the field. So it's not really like even if you're like naturally right-handed or whatever, I don't think there is a true blind side the way that there used to be. When guys would like, yeah, oh, um, I'm gonna look one direction first every time. Like, so yeah, I was um, I forget what I think might have been the Michael K show. They had um, I believe it was Dan Graziano on, uh, talking about this whole situation. So apparently, Orlando Brown Sr., obviously Orlando Brown's father, was um, his whole dream, his entire career was he wanted to play the left side. He wanted to play left tackle. So supposedly, this is actually part of the reason why Orlando Brown Jr. wants to move because. He kind of wants to fulfill his dad's dream and, and do that. Well, that's him. adorable. So, yeah, it was kind of sad, but at the same time, it's really cool. Like, you see a lot of these guys that are, like, just demanding trades just for the hell of it or they're pissed at the situation or whatever. But this guy's just like, yo, I want to fulfill my dad's dream. And, like, it's it's. Crazy, I just want to fulfill my dad's dream and it, make a bunch more millions in the process. What's, what's, so, what's so wrong about that? I mean, I think he was going to get paid a ridiculous amount of money either way. So, But it's just weird because – the Ravens are obviously a team that's trying to win now. So I don't know. That's going to take a lot for them to, to trade him. I think at least the first round pick. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. I think the jets with that 23rd pick that they can just trade for him, move Becton, Becton to play both sides. You put Becton the right tackle, but Orlando Brown play the left tackle. That might be arguably the best left tackle, right tackle duo in the league. And then whoever the hell is your quarterback, Zach Wilson. Well, I was going to say, if you want to go according to Mel Kuyper, who's going to be their quarterback next year? Do you remember? Uh, Sam Darnold? Yes. Which is yep. – I mean, it's not insane, but it's kind of insane. But if they were able to pull off their first two picks and get Orlando Brown with one and who Kuyper has them taking in the mock in the other – that offense, even with Sam, like then you'll know is Sam Darnold legit? Yes or no? So I guess this is a good time to segue to uh, Mel Kiper Jr.'s latest uh, mock draft, which actually has trades. So uh, we'll get into that after this break. It's officially draft season. Everyone's favorite part of the off season is here, as we're all getting ready to see what our favorite teams are going to do in the next few months. With Fanspeak.com's new Ultimate GM 2021 Offseason Simulator, you now have the ability to trade players, trade picks, sign free agents, draft players, and whatever else you want your favorite team to do this offseason. So go to Fanspeak.com now to check out everything they have to offer. All right, so let's get into this new Mel Kuyper Jr. mock draft. And for the first time ever, apparently in his entire history of doing mock drafts, He's done some trades. So we'll start off with the obvious pick. Everybody and their mother knows that this is going to happen. The Jacksonville Jaguars select Trevor Lawrence, quarterback from Clemson, the first overall pick. I don't think there's really much that we have to get into with that. But then 
the draft, like everybody's saying, it starts with the second overall pick, which is normally made by the Jets. But Mel Kuyper actually has the Jets trading this pick to the Atlanta Falcons. And the Falcons move up and get their quarterback of the future to replace Matt Ryan. And he has them taking Zach Wilson, quarterback from BYU. So what do you think about that? This is a weird one because we've all talked about the Jets basically either staying put, taking a quarterback, or trading for Deshaun. I don't think too many people have entertained Donald coming back as a realistic option. But I also don't – I can't really fault them because I forget sometimes how young Donald still is. And if they can get – now they have pick number four, so there's still going to be great players in play there. Then they have pick number 23 with whether we – they trade it for Orlando Brown like you talked about earlier or do something else with it or just make the pick even. You can get a real special talent there. Then they would also have, what, two second-rounders or a second and a very high third, potentially? Um, And I think they, like, the Jets could quickly reload. And if, like I said, I think you would know for sure then next year if Darnold is the guy or not. Um, From Atlanta's perspective, I get it because the Jets obviously are a risk of taking a quarterback. And if you are married to one guy, then you don't want to, you know, take the chance of anybody else trading up and jumping you. But I don't know. It's, it seems like kind of a good move for both sides, but for Atlanta, I would think they don't seem like they're a quarterback away to me. So I don't know what they would get back from Matt Ryan once they traded him, but Atlanta moving up and giving up a few mid-rounders in the process seems a little short-sighted for them because I'd imagine if they like a quarterback, one of them will get there at four. But again, we like we talked about in the past that if you like a quarterback, odds are you're probably married to one. So I don't know really how to see that. Yeah, and in uh, Mel Kuyper's little blurb that he has there about the trade, he compares it to when the Bears traded up for Mitchell Trubisky in 2017. So with that trade, they literally moved up from third overall to second overall just so nobody could jump them because they love Trubisky that much. Now, and that's so crazy. Yeah. That's insane. I know it happens, and I get, I totally get the thinking of it. It's just crazy. <laughs> like, so, yeah, that in that trade, the uh, Chicago ended up giving up the third overall pick, 67th overall pick, 111th overall pick. So I think that's two picks on day two, and then their third round to the following year. So if the Jets could <laughs> drop down two spots, I mean, even in that in this scenario, he doesn't – no spoilers, but they could take a quarterback there, even if they did drop down to four, while also loading up on a couple extra day two picks. I think it would be a no-brainer if they're not in love with Zach Wilson and they, and they could go with somebody else. But uh, moving on to Mel Kuyper's third pick, he has the Miami Dolphins, who have this pick because of the Houston Texans. Now let's just do a little quick little uh, aside about the Texans because we didn't really talk about it earlier. So it was reported today that Deshaun Watson finally met with head coach David Culley and basically nothing happened. So it seems like he told him he still doesn't want to play there. I don't know if the Texans thought for some reason David Culley was going to be the magical piece that brought Deshaun Watson back, but well, he still wants all the reports were, All the reports are that David Culley is you know, the great persuader and has a great way of wooing guys over. But, yeah. I just wish I was able to hear that conversation. I'm sure it wasn't that long. He's like, hey, uh, glad you're the head coach, but I still don't want to be here. So uh, later. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, Mel Kuyper. Is, is there anything I can say to change your mind? Yeah, nope. Exactly. So um, that situation still seems like it's going to be a long while before anything happens. Some people are comparing it to the whole Carson Palmer situation, but so we'll see what happens. 
But in this case, Mel Kuyper has the Miami Dolphins giving uh, two of one of his old weapons in Devontae Smith, wide receiver from Alabama. Yeah, um, makes a lot of sense for Miami, especially if they want to keep Tua and ride with Tua, and they're not going to trade for Deshaun. Um, that's about it. I think Devontae Smith is the best pure receiver in the draft. Uh, but we'll talk in, in one more pick if he's the best pass catcher in the draft. Mm, so if any of you follow me on Twitter, you know I'm a big fan of this guy. John's also a big fan of this guy. You could say we have Huge. a little, little man Huge. crush this on guy, him. This guy is my guy. Ever Anybody who knows me knows that I've wanted the Giants to get a pass catcher who's above six foot one and quality for ages. It's why I loved Evan Ingram when they picked him and hate him so much now. I just want tall guys. It's why I loved Ramsey's Barden, despite him never being anything with the Giants. And I'm still a Ramsey's Barden fan. It's why I like guys like Ryzen John when they sign him, because I just want big pass catchers. So, um, pick number four to the Jets in Mel Kuyper's draft is Kyle Pitts, tight end from Florida, who is 6'6 and a monster, and I think could be the next Mike Evans. And I think you agree on that. Yeah. So my whole thing this whole time, like I said, if you've been following me on Twitter, is a bunch of Eagles fans, because he's been mocked to the Eagles a lot at six recently. So a bunch of Eagles fans are like, oh, my God, they don't need a tight end. They have Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz, who's eventually going to be traded. They're like, oh, you don't need a tight end. You need a receiver on the outside. But if anybody has spent more than five minutes watching Kyle Pitts, you see the guy literally lines up outside all the time. He's beaten the top corners in this draft. One most, of his most of his highlights come from split out wide. Yeah, I've I've only watched highlights of a handful of players, but the top pass catchers are all the ones that I have seen so far, like mostly. And basically, all of Kyle Pitts' highlights are him lining up, standing up outside in a traditional wide receiver and outside wide receiver role. I know he's like classified as a tight end because I guess that's what Florida listed him at, and because he is such a huge monster. But I feel like he is a really, really good outside receiver. Yeah, and I feel like you're seeing an era now in the game where like these super athletic tight ends that are versatile and they can go in the slot outside and motion, however you want to do them. You see Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, Darren Waller's like really come on lately, and that's who these guys, that's who uh, Kyle Pitts is compared to a lot. But I feel like he shouldn't have a label. Like he's just an offensive weapon. I know that's used in like college when guys are coming out of high school. I would say so, a like, lot of times the problem is offensive weapon. When I think of it, you think of guys like Denard Robinson. Yeah. And I feel like it ends up being like a knock on guys because it's kind of guys who like, or even the, like Tariq Cohen, who was like guys who are sort of like jacks of all trades, masters of none. Yeah. But I think, I think Pitts is different too because I also think when people want to make comparisons to the other tight ends in the league, everybody's like, oh, well, use this tight end and you can get creative. Or, oh, look at this guy coming out of college. People thought he could get flexed out. People thought this guy could be more versatile than he was. But this is the guy who has done it. Like, Florida lined him up out wide a lot, and he produced every single time. It's not this, like, theoretical, like, maybe this guy can make the transition. Like, this guy is a glorified wide receiver listed as a tight end. Yeah, and it's like they're, the Jets offensive coordinator, Mike LaFleur, is literally coming over from San Francisco. So if there's anybody that knows how to use tight ends, it's the guy that literally coached George Kittle and used him to the best of his ability over the past couple of years. So, yeah, there's no, like, projection with Kyle Pitts. Like, you know what he can do. And um, in this blurb right here under underneath the, the pick, Mel Kuyper actually said that he's been doing this a long time. Everybody knows Mel Kuyper's been around for forever. 
but he said Kyle Pitts is going to be his highest graded tight end ever. So that says a lot. That's, and- that's not. I say that's also not insane to me because I truly believe, as of writing this, like barring off field issues or you know if, if he turns around, God forbid, and gets a DUI in a year or whatever, I feel like he can't see that coming. But based just on on-field play and staying healthy, I think his floor is Evan Ingram. I think yeah. that's a minimum of what he is. And I don't like Evan Ingram, but the guy was technically named to the Pro Bowl this year, has had some years of good stats. I think that's where you start with Kyle Pitts, and it only goes up from there. I think his ceiling is best tight end ever. Like, if if they choose to get creative with him but still really have him listed as a tight end. But I think realistically what his potential is, is like I said, Mike Evans. I think he could be Mike Evans. Yeah, and it's, it's just insane to see his numbers. I think uh, – what did Florida play like? I think like 10 games this year, and he had 12 touchdowns in 10 games. He averaged almost 18 yards a catch, which is unbelievable for a tight end. And he had 43 catches for 770 yards. And I believe I saw on Pro Football Focus he didn't have a drop. So the guy is just – he's an unbelievable yeah, I was player. Like, just to clarify, too, because if people listening might say, oh, well, he didn't have a drop, but he had a lot more targets than he had catches. They, from what I understand, that's because the targets are just any ball where he's the intended receiver, but then the drops only take into account catchable balls. So, like, if a quarterback throws a ball 10 yards over his head, he is technically targeted, but he was never going to realistically be able to catch that ball. So it basically means he has no drops in the ball that he had any real chance of catching. Yeah, and I also feel like in terms of that, Kyle Pitts might actually reinvent that stat because you throw that ball anywhere within like 10 feet of that guy and there's a chance he's going to catch it. He's just <laughs> ridiculous. And also, I think he's one of the – I think we, we texted about this about a week ago. I think I texted you. He's also one of the youngest players in the draft. Oh, when that the season was starts, said that. He's still only going to be 20 years old. I think he turns 21 in October. <clears> so this guy's going to be dominating on the NFL field and can't even go to the bar after the game and celebrate. Here's another it's thing just... with here's another thing with Kyle uh, Kyle Pitts too that gets me. <clears throat> so I'm looking at his game logs from this year, and he didn't have a touchdown in every game, and he had one like his worst game all year was a pretty bad game that still gave him five catches for 81 yards against Missouri. Yeah, his just... the other game he didn't catch a touchdown in was Tennessee, where he only had seven interceptions for 128 yards. Like, against number one Alabama, he had seven receptions for 129 yards and a touchdown. This guy is special. And I don't think enough people are talking about it. Like, I don't want to downplay Smith or Chase, because I think both of those guys could very well be all pro wide receivers, too. But I think Pitts is just so... Such a like his size and his where he is now, I feel like is something that we haven't really seen before from a tight end. Like we've seen big tight ends who've converted, we've seen big tight ends who like eventually became great. But I think the way that Pitts can dominate potentially as a rookie right out of the bat, I think he could be to tight ends what Justin Jefferson was to wide receivers this year. Like I think he's that special. Yeah, I agree for sure. And he's slowly becoming Behind Jamar Chase, like my number one target, he's, he's jumped Devontae Smith in terms of like for the Eagles. But just two quick notes, because I know we spent probably like 10 minutes now just confessing our love for Kyle Pitts. But um, he is from Philadelphia. So he's a Philadelphia native. That always plays into Eagles fans' uh, love affair with players. <laughs> and his former offensive coordinator, Brian Johnson, 
is actually now the Eagles quarterback coach. So they're going to know probably more about these Florida prospects than most teams. So that's another link. But um, I think that's enough about Kyle Pitts. We both clearly love him. And, uh, no, I would, I would we, kill to have him on the Giants. Just yeah, we both want him on our team. But uh, moving on in the mock draft, Mel Kuyper has the Cincinnati Bengals, which I feel like this is a, a no-brainer pick if he's there. He has them taking Panay Sewell, the off tackle from Oregon. Yeah, so, that's, uh, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. You want to keep uh, Joe Burrow upright. The only other thing that I could think is if they do want to go with a, an elite pass catcher with whether Pitts is still on the board or they want to reunite Chase with him or they want to give him Devontae Smith, I think those would be the sort of three that would be in play there. Yeah, that's what's weird about that whole situation is because they are probably going to move – I don't know if he's a free agent or they're definitely going to at least release him. A.J. Green's going to be gone from Cincinnati. But also, so. I just don't think A.J. Green is what he was anyway. I think he's like oh, – I course. think A.J. Green at this point in his career is like a good number two, borderline number one when he's healthy, but how often is he healthy? Like, Yeah, I don't think anybody would dispute that. But it's just like their offensive line was a mess last season. Joe Burrow still played well before he got injured behind the offensive line. So just adding – arguably the best offensive tackle prospect to come out in years. So that yeah. team would help a ton because they, they have Tyler Boyd's a, a great player. T Higgins played really well last year as a rookie. So it's not like they have nobody at receiver, but if they just want to give him like a crazy amount of weapons and add a former college teammate in Jamar chase, who he loved obviously throwing to, then uh, that makes sense. But speaking of Jamar chase, number six to the Philadelphia Eagles, Mel Kuyper has Jamar. Whoa. Chase. So he is my number one uh, target for the Eagles, assuming they don't go crazy and blow up social media by taking a quarterback here, which I really hope doesn't happen because God, I, I, would, see... I would adore the Eagles taking a quarterback. Please throw yeah. that pick in the trash from last year. Please, yeah. blow, please blow it all up and start with a quarterback from scratch. I would love your team for this. There's nothing yeah, that would like, make me happier. I can literally think back to last season – when I'm like, I'm following the draft on Twitter, constantly refreshing. And like, it comes up to the Eagles pick in the second round. And Adam Schefter doesn't even tweet out the pick. He just says like, this is going to break Twitter. Or so he said, said something like I've that. Said and trolling. right away I knew what it was. I've said half trolling, although somewhat serious too, that the Eagles should draft a quarterback because Wentz was so injury prone, never thinking in a million years they would actually do it. And then when they did it, I felt so redeemed. But to do that again to a quarterback who now isn't injury prone and hasn't shown like had enough time to show that he's a failure would be just I don't understand the logic behind that at all. I can't see the Eagles even trying to entertain quarterback. That's why like part of me thinks, oh, the Eagles are picking sixth overall with all these great pass catchers. Because even if they take like Jalen Waddle, if you take any of those four guys, Smith, uh, Pitts, Chase, or Waddle, I feel like you can justify it. We'll get to it. I am I am not a Waddle guy and if the Giants do take Waddle, like a lot of people think, I think that's going to be the most disappointed I've been in a pick in a long time. Yeah, I mean, I'm not crazy about him. I feel like he's a, an injury risk or whatever. He's a small, fast receiver, blah, blah, blah. But he's probably like fourth. He's definitely fourth for me among those guys. Yeah. I would definitely prefer the other three. But, yeah, I think if Chase falls to the Eagles, that would be a no-brainer pick. But especially if, if Pitts is not there. If Pitts is there, I feel like that's a toss-up. I'd be happy with either one. But um, Chase, is, he's another player that's super young. I think he's only 20. He might just, just be turning 21. So he dominated last season. Now he took the year off, and he looks ridiculously huge also in his all his pre-draft workout pictures and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, hopefully no quarterback here. I want Jalen Hurts to get a full season. But we're going to move on now to the seventh pick, and we have another trade 
we have the 49ers trading with the Detroit Lions, moving up to seventh overall to get their quarterback in Justin Fields, quarterback from Ohio State. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. San Fran, I think, is starting to realize that Garoppolo is not the guy. Um, Kyber does mention that if San Fran designates Garoppolo as a, per, a post-June 1st release, they would save $25 million on the cap this year, actually, which I could definitely see that making it even more possible. Um, and we said that would free up money to bring back a guy like Trent Williams. Um, I think San Fran needs a quarterback. I think they have moved a little bit younger the last couple of years, but still in sort of win-now mode to a degree. And I think that makes a lot of sense. I think I haven't watched enough of the quarterbacks to know how I feel about anybody besides Mac Jones, who we might get to soon. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think that's it's, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I, I think um, Justin Fields is going to be in play for the Falcons if they don't make a trade at four because he is a Georgia native and – he fits that kind of scheme that they're going to play with. Arthur yeah, Smith. I feel like that's but, like something that I, like the whole idea of being a native to a certain area. I feel like that's kind of overblown by the media, though. I feel like teams don't really care about that. As a fan, I love it. Like I always love when the Giants get anybody from like New York, New Jersey. But I feel like generally teams don't make decisions because of that or around that at all. Oh no, of course I'm not saying that's why he'd be the pick. Yeah. He'd be the pick because he's a damn good quarterback. But it's just like if you're trying to sell fans on giving up this guy that's been all they've known at quarterback for the last 10 years or so and Matt Ryan, and now you have this new regime, I feel like that kind of softens the blow a little bit. But you did mention Mac Jones, and Mel Kuyper yeah. has them, the Carolina Panthers at number eight actually taking Mac Jones. So uh, that would surprise me. He would be ahead of Trey Lance in this situation. But uh, how would you feel about your boy Mac Jones going to Carolina? I mean, I think, like I said, I think Mac Jones is a better quarterback than people give him credit for. I don't know how I like him in Carolina specifically. I kind of want him on a team that has a little bit more polish to it. But I almost feel like he'd be a better fit for San Fran than Fields as far as, like, I think Mac Jones might be a little bit more ready now, but his ceiling I don't think is as high as Fields. Um, just going back to the field trade for one second, you know it kills me because it would mean Detroit can't get Zach Wilson even though Kuiper had him going second. <laughs> um but also, I think Detroit moving back just makes some sense, too, because they are now most likely, unless they unless they like a quarterback who happens to fall to them, I think they are to some degree married to Goff for a year or two, at least a year. Um, and so maybe because of that, Detroit moving back makes a lot of sense for them. Yeah, I actually feel like Mac Jones would make sense in Carolina, only because my whole criticism on him is I feel like he's not a player that's going to, like, He's not going to play with a bunch of like garbage receivers and, and look good. I feel like he's a guy that needs good players around him. I think he, and that's I think where he's a, really excel. I think he's an upgraded Andy Dalton with the potential to be really good. I think he, like I said, I think his mobility I think is really underrated because he's not going to run a good forty and because he didn't take off during games. But I think his awareness, especially around the red zone, is tremendously underrated. His ball placement on some of those throws to Waddle and Smith where only they could get them on the very end of the end zone. I think he has elite arm talent, even if he, you know, maybe isn't on film throwing the ball 70 yards in the air or running, uh, you know, 4-3-40. Like, I think Mac Jones is going to probably, like I said, I've said it before, I think Mac Jones could end up being the best quarterback from this draft. I'm not saying he will. I would never take him over Lawrence. But I think, yeah, I think him going to any team makes some sense. I'm just... I, um, I'd be a little surprised that a team like Carolina that doesn't feel as close 
would roll that dice. Yeah, but I just feel like Carolina is actually a good situation for him because although their offensive line isn't the best, they would have uh, Robbie Anderson, Christian McCaffrey, BJ Moore, and Curtis Samuel for him to work with. So yeah, I think I'm just, I think also, I think I'm just generally also not as high on Carolina's weapons as a lot of people. Yeah, but that's me. That's fair. But uh, moving on, we have another trade. So um, the Patriots trade up with the Broncos. He has the Patriots would send the Broncos the number 15 pick, a second round pick, and a 2022 pick to move up to number nine here to get their quarterback in Trey Lance from North Dakota State. This is really interesting because I have not watched any of the quarterbacks directly this year um, because the I, I mostly watch what I think the Giants might go after if they're not moving on from Daniel Jones yet. So Mac Jones, I just happen to see because of watching Waddle and, Ch- uh, Waddle and Smith highlights um, and noticing him. But Trey Lance, I feel like, is a guy who, yeah, like I think he's probably one of the guys that was hurt the most by not playing this year, really, because I feel like going into this year, he was the consensus number two quarterback behind Trevor Lawrence. And now you see some mocks where he's the fifth quarterback off the board. And I think you can get a great value there. Yeah, and he's another guy that's ridiculously young. I think he's only 20 years old, and he's definitely the best rusher of the group among the quarterbacks. I know people say, like, Zach Wilson can really move, but Trey Lance, is, I think he had over 1,000 rushing yards last season. So the guy can move, and he also has, like, a ridiculously good arm. He reminds me a lot of Josh Allen when Josh Allen came out of Wyoming because he's a very raw quarterback. He's young, Play, but he has a ridiculous plays for, uh, arm. plays for a school that people don't talk about. I know Wyoming is D1, but – not yeah, so Wyoming like, is not a, a D1 NFL powerhouse. Like, no, of course not. But like Trey Lance is a very – he's a raw quarterback. He's going to need time. But I feel just like Josh Allen, he's going to be worth the investment if you surround him with the right people and you're patient with him. So it would be interesting to see him go to, to go to the Patriots, a team that obviously has an older head coach in Bill Belichick and seems like more of a win-now situation because they did have a lot of players opt out last season. So I'm assuming a lot of those guys will come back. But um, it might be a good opportunity for him because say they they bring him they bring him in, they re-sign say Cam Newton for one year and just let him let Trey Lance sit behind him a couple games and then give him the reins. I don't know. It it, it I, I really like Trey Lance. I'm a big fan of his. Not just because uh, Carson Wentz also played for North Dakota State, but because I think to think he's a really talented quarterback and I hope he goes to the right situation. Yeah, I I agree. So uh, moving on to our our hated rival Dallas Cowboys. This seems like a no brainer too. <clears throat> He has them taking cornerback from Alabama, Patrick. I don't know if it's Sertan, Sertan, but uh, I think it's Sertan. I yeah, mean, his, his father was Patrick Sertan, if I remember right. All right, I just don't remember how it was pronounced. But um, so yeah, they took Trevin Diggs last last season. He played pretty well as as a a rookie. So they obviously need help all along that defense. But adding arguably the best cornerback in the draft doesn't uh, doesn't hurt at all. Yeah, this is this feels like a no brainer. Like I think Dallas needs. I mean, you can go with a different defender, but Dallas needs defenders, and taking Sertan makes sense. All right, now to uh, upset you, no, get you all riled up. Mel Kiper has the Giants at the 11th overall pick, taking Jalen Waddle, wide receiver at Alabama. Okay, so I watched highlights of all the top pass catchers, like I said, and I think Waddle is good. I'm not saying Waddle is bad at all. I think Waddle makes tough catches. I think Waddle, I think Waddle almost makes more contested catches than Devontae Smith, maybe because he has to, because Smith's so good at getting open, but. My problem is I think Jalen Waddell could very well be a great wide receiver anywhere but New York. But 
I've seen too many sub six foot receivers, too many wide receivers with injury histories, too many of those guys come to the Giants, and it just gives me PTSD while still being in the middle of that same trauma because you have Tate and you have Shepard and how many – and I know Waddle's a deep threat that neither of those guys are, and the Giants absolutely could use a deep threat. But I just don't want another smaller receiver coming off an injury. Um, we saw him try to play in the national championship game. We saw his heart there. But he was clearly hampered by that. And even if he comes in at 100%, I just don't know that I trust him. Like I said, especially with the Giants to stay healthy. I know if the Eagles or Cowboys take him, he'll be a Hall of Famer. But just with my luck, I don't want to see him on the Giants. I think looking at the board and who's left at that pick for the Giants, I think if you get a totally clean report on Michael Parsons, that makes a lot of sense, pairing him with Blake Martinez and knowing that you sort of like have two of your four linebackers locked up for a long time. I think Greg Rousseau makes a lot of sense. and I liked what he showed on film. I was watching some of his rushes. Um, even Quiddy Pay, who I know I've ranted against Michigan guys before, but <laughs> the other thing that I watched besides pass catchers were pass rushers, because again, I'm just trying to figure out who I want the Giants to take. And Quiddy Pay did impress me because Looking at his numbers, I didn't want it because I was like, he's another underproducing Michigan guy. He had like three sacks or something like that. But he seems so good at like reading plays and so good at just knowing where to be and getting there. And that's such an underrated part. Like, I think you could have, I think you could really have a great edge player who isn't necessarily a great sack artist. And I think that's where Quiddy Pay kind of lives and just making the like, Almost like what Blake Martinez is, where I feel like Blake Martinez is a guy that is just always in the right spot doing the right thing. And I think Quiddy Pay can kind of be the Blake Martinez of the edge. And maybe his sack numbers will come up because of that. But I'd rather go with Pay or Rousseau than Waddle, in my opinion, right now. Yeah, I think that concerns me with Waddle and, and why I have him as like my fourth receiver in my little big board that I released on Twitter. But um, it just feels like those like those speedy receivers, like you said, the small speedy guys, like, are you going to get Tyreek Hill or are you getting John Ross? <laughs> like, it's, it's just John like, Ross is going to be my go-to too. Cause that's always like the guy who should have been the great speedster and wasn't. Meanwhile, Ty- Meanwhile John yeah. Ross came before Tyreek Hill. So it's like, yeah, it's just, that's the risk you take, especially a guy that was already hurt. Like you said, yeah. granted Devonte Smith got hurt also, but I feel like he's more of like a technician. <laughs> Yeah. where like he's running better routes and he actually played we both agree that he plays a little faster. Oh, I think I think yeah, I think for sure like I know Waddle's going to run the faster 40. I think Smith is a faster football player. And that sometimes is something that 40s don't account for. Like cuz once you put those pads on and you have a defender in your face, how fast are you going to be on the break and stuff and that's like what you can't measure the same way. Yeah, I'm just scarred with, like, fast, speedy receivers. Because, obviously, the Eagles uh, took Deshaun Jackson. He had a phenomenal start to his career and then had nagging injuries to end it. Then last season, they took Jalen uh, Rager in the first round, and he had two uh, nagging injuries. So, it's just – I'm scared of these small, fast receivers. I want somebody that's more reliable and then whatnot. Yeah. 
let's just move on real quick. We don't have that much. I was gonna say we don't have we, we don't have a lot more time. Do you want to just uh, instead of reading pick by pick, maybe just go through? Does anybody of the remaining picks stand out to you? Because like for me, so, for me, your boy Kadarius Tony going twenty to Chicago was like kind of an interesting pick. Yeah, I mean that makes sense, but I feel like that's the last thing they need is like this kind of like trickeration player where it's like you're going to be right because I feel like he's not like a reliable number one wide receiver he's a guy that you're going to run like weird screens and quick plays to or hand off to he's an electric player he's really good but I just don't think he's like a guy that's going to be your number one so but that's the thing. In Chicago, I like that. he wouldn't have to be because Chicago I'm, I mean does anybody think Chicago is going to let Allen Robinson actually leave as much as I want him on the, on the Giants well reports came out today that Either they're going to franchise tag him or they're going to try and sign and trade him. So they're going to let him go. Well, if they do let him go, they're going to get something in return. Yeah. It seems like the Lions are going to try and do the same thing with Kenny Galladay. That, but it just seems like I want to. I want to break this up for a second too. Um, I know we're running out of time, but the Kenny Galladay thing scared me too because I heard I think it was Dave Rothenberg today, um, saying it on DCR that the reports are that the Giants really like Galladay and. I don't know how I feel about. It. I don't think I'm as sold on Galladay as a lot of people are. I'd rather have that. As someone who had him, sorry, cut you off. As someone who had him in, I think three of my four fantasy leagues this year, or something like that. He's a phenomenal player when he's on the field, but he was also hurt for like half the season. Yeah, like I said, that goes, so that just and seems... I know, I know, I said I want a big target for the Giants, and Allen Robinson isn't huge, but I just something about Galladay, I feel like just doesn't. Yeah, like you said, I guess maybe it's that he does struggle to be on the field, and I don't want that again. But, yeah, I'm not as sold on it. Like, I, I wouldn't be upset if the Giants did get Galladay for, you know, if they can get him for a reasonable price and not giving up picks. But I'd much rather Robinson than Galladay if I had my pick of the two. Yeah, so just uh, two picks that did stand out to me. You mentioned Quiddy Pay before. So um, a lot of people think he's the best edge rusher in the draft, and Mel Kuyper actually has him falling all the way to 23 to the Jets. Yeah, I mean, so everybody the, knows the, the Jets. And pay, that's a really, really yeah. fun pair of picks. Yeah, I feel like the Jets have been looking for an edge rusher forever. I don't even remember the last time they had a guy that had, like, a decent amount of sacks. But, um, yeah, he would fill a huge hole for them. And then the very next pick, actually, is one of my favorite players in the draft. Uh, the Steelers, he has the Steelers taking Landon Dickerson to replace Pouncey after he retired. He's a center from Alabama. So Landon Dickerson is a player I think you would love as well. He's a guy that was out for the season, and then he actually suited up just to be in warm-ups with his teammates for the National Championship. And he got to snap so the, guy the gets like, final ball, right? Yes, yes. He had like a major knee injury. Yeah, the guy is just a beast. He's uh, He was – the key offensive lineman for Alabama for, for quite a while. And it's exciting to see him finally make that jump. I think the injury might hurt his um, stock a little bit, but now it seems like people do have him going back. In the but I would say back, so, back into the first yeah. is kind of where your elite centers usually go anyway. So, yeah, I feel like that's the, the, the marquee spot yeah. every year for like the top center. But I feel like for a while he was being mocked as like a second or third round pick, but it's good to see him be uh, that top center in the draft. And, um, see where he goes i think the browns getting zaven collins from tulsa at 26 is another one that could be like a steal late yeah he's a fun player to watch that guy is a, he's like anthony barr he's all over the place he's huge i think he's like 6'6 240 I think he's another huge he's the kyle pitts of defense he can just do everything then they have the uh this is kind of an interesting one the ravens getting terrence marshall from lsu who would be a big wide receiver kind of the opposite of antonio uh not antonio brown hollywood brown 
Um, yeah, he'd be another receiver for uh, Lamar Jackson to throw over his head. <laughs> well, so. he's six. That's the thing. He's six four, so maybe you wouldn't be able to throw over his head as much. Um, yeah, I and I think that's really the only like as far as like the later picks. That, oh, you know what's another one that stands out to me? Looking at number thirty-one, Walker Little going to Kansas City. Like yeah. that feels he... that feels so spot on. Like this guy who was right up there with Sewell for years, it felt like, who was supposed to be like a number one tackle, now falling all the way down to thirty-one. And falling in Kansas City's lap feels so on brand for them. Yeah, he's such a hard player to rank because this is gonna be the last thing, and then we got to go. But he uh, he he got hurt at the very I think the first game last season, missed the whole season, and then he opted out of this year. So it's like people really haven't seen him play football in almost two yeah, years. Yeah, but I feel like he was, so just, I don't know he how was just viewed as such a, an elite guy when he was playing. And I haven't watched him to know because, like I said, the Giants, even if they could use off the lineup, aren't gonna take anybody that high. I don't think. But uh, that that is just the one that interested me a lot. Yeah, just real quick, well, one last thing on the draft, and we're gonna have a mock draft uh, episode eventually here, and more talk about the draft, obviously, maybe some interviews, wink, wink. But um, yeah, it's gonna be weird to see how these players that opted out and didn't play at all last season are gonna be viewed, because obviously you have guys like Jamar Chase and well, Trey Lance played one game, but there's gonna be guys picked at the top that barely played, and then there's gonna be t- guys that that we know are elite prospects that. We just aren't sure where they're going to go. So it's going to be weird how and see how teams uh, weigh this whole situation. Our boy Quinn Miners obviously missed the whole season because of COVID. So it'll be fun, and I feel like it's going to add a lot of intrigue to this year's draft, and I just can't wait. Yeah, poor, poor Quinn. Some people are really disrespecting him. I'm not going to mention any names, <laughs> but I've seen people who have him ranked as a third-round talent, and I feel like that's that's a spit in the face. My man is a top, my man is a top, ten, top ten pick. Um, so you're saying he should be above Landon Dickerson, number one center? In the uh, yes, absolutely. All right, that's fine. I, I'll, hey, I'm all for it. I hope when they say the Jacksonville Jaguars with the number <laughs> one overall pick, pick Coin Miners, yeah. that would be nothing would make me happy. No, re- realistically though, I'd probably, I mean, I'd probably give him like a second round break. But still, yeah. I mean, you, you gave him third, which is still fair, I think. But it's uh... following the steps of uh, Ali Marpet, I think he was picking yeah. second, so that'll be. I cool. think second is more fitting, but yeah. But all right, that about does it for this episode, the 10th episode. We've reached double digits officially of the Blitz. Thank you all for watching, and we'll see you oh, next Oh, and week. Uh, rest in peace, Sharif Jones, after he was killed in the NBA group today. Yeah, he's still chewing that steak. But uh, goodbye, everybody.